0: Dear Fraud Complex, I spend the afternoon, as I've done most afternoons of Next Wave Festival 2016, gathering with others around the fireplace that is our disappearing present. Entering as I do from the site shipsinthenight.info, I register my thoughts and comments, throwing them into the flame of my computer screen to crackle away in this virtual pit, to gradually burn down amid the flares of others' inputs and impressions. I think of you, I think of how I am to write you this letter. How my very existence is contingent on writing you this letter. This letter that is supposed to be a love letter. I think about how I'm attracted to you, how I love you, and perhaps how I hate you. How I have not disclosed this to you. How just as identity oscillates and pivots, my feelings move along this love-hate spectrum. How my feelings are private and how I'm painfully self-conscious of them. How I even have these feelings in the first place. How I'm scared to expose them, because I don't want to be looked at. I don't want to have others delight in witnessing my indignity and vulnerability. But I think about how my affections are so transparent, and how people will see me, how you will see me. So I think about how I might as well go on writing this letter. When you log on to our disappearing present, a randomly selected name is presented to you, a suggestion in which to make your comment underneath.
1: Song, Amy, Georgiana, Major, Junko, Willen, Robbie, Ricky, Scotty, Deneen, Michaela, Casey, Faviola, Hung, Nelda, Hoyan, Chelsea, Usako, Tatum, Merrill, Luvenia, Rachel, Carmel, Emmeline, Harris, Dorsey, Venita, Gus, Colby, Indira, Felicia, Keenan, Brigida, Augustina, Maria, Twyla, Lauren, Boris, Zan Yu, Adrian, Adela, Robbed, Leah, Mignon, Mari, Tan, Roma, Rena, Frida, Adele, Marlon, Della, Retta, Trevor, Large, Whiteley, Caitlin, Verena, Retha, Marcus, Pandora, Marilyn, Makita, Mary, Sher, Mitch, Denita, Charisse Dalton, Teresa, Patricia, Philomena, Jerry. Friedrika, Kath, Charles, Lanilla, Elisa, Juliana, Criola, Candy, Phoebe, Kelsey, Alan, Anastasia, Caroline, Sharon, Kai, Denise, Deloise, Dudley, Jessica, Claire, Luanne, Enrica, Colisetta, Tau, or Inga.
0: The text box says, What's on your mind? If, as I am, allocated, Charlesetta, Is my response to what's on your mind any different than if Chunko had been thrust upon me? Does my subjectivity change and alter depending on this labelling? I slip in and out of wondering this as I think about you and your name, the fraud complex. Thinking about if your name belies your true feelings, your true emotions. You are called the fraud complex, so I think about feeling like a fraud. I often think that I am a fraud. I think about all the times that I've proved myself or achieved something, but the fear that someone will expose me as the incompetent novice I am will never leave. No matter how many times I've proved myself to others, part of me truly believes I still do not deserve this. Whatever this is, this platform, these ships in the night, does this doubt ever subside? Will I ever be free of this debilitating effect on my sense of myself? This letter presents a certain ontological indeterminacy. Can an artwork ever have a sense of self? How should I perform this subjectivity when I have not chosen it, when I have had this subjectivity thrust upon me? On our disappearing present, hours go by. I obsess over the relationships between users No I'll Call You and No You Call Me. No You Call Me says,
1: I had a fight with No I'll Call You last night at twelve, just before bed. Then again over wheatbix, I stayed in bed under the doona and waited for him to leave before I had a shower. The dramatics are important. Then I met with a friend and we spoke about how great he is. She said that she wouldn't imagine us with anyone else but each other. I missed him after that, but I still walked past his work without saying hi. It didn't feel right. I texted him, I love you, XX. When we got home, we fought whilst eating eggs on toast. And now we are here typing on the couch together with O.
0: I follow the texts of users, No, I'll Call You and No, You Call Me, for hours, and still I wait for their return to our disappearing present. I think about how No, You Call Me is at work or how No, I'll Call You is drinking coffee. I think about them saying to each other, No, You Call Me and No, I'll Call You, repeatedly, aggressively, not understanding that in fact they agree. They fight over and over for no reason. I think about who No-I'll-Call-You and No-You-Call-Me could be. I look over the list of contributors on that How Disappearing Present information page and pore over the names in search for a clue. I think about how the inclusion of this list perhaps undermines the anonymity of the project, but also that it is a project happening within the context of a festival, and therefore within the curfew of funding bodies, and funding bodies require the names of authors. I look at You, the Fraud Complex. And I think that although your individual parts riff on ideas of the fraudulent, the imposture, shifting and intangible expressions of the self and identity, I think how your voice is actually quite powerful, extreme, and perhaps masculine, and assuredness in the way you have intervened curatorially with faux brickwork and matching curtains. The boldness in how you strike through your words, not erasing them, but making them stronger. Do you too feel like an impostor? Do you have this common feeling also? Do you worry that there will be evidence of your missteps, your mistakes? Do you worry that at any moment someone will tap you on the shoulder and say, you shouldn't be here? You don't look unsure of yourself. You look confident. I don't know if I can trust your answer. Will I ever know how you truly feel? Does it matter? I ask these questions as if that feeling is fixed, which it is not. I know this because I don't always feel like a fraud, and then other times I do, although mostly I feel like a fraud and the feelings that follow of guilt and narcissism and self-loathing. I'm not confessing this with a false modesty. I'm not fishing for your affirmation. This is a genuine feeling. I am often swamped with apprehension, looking to see what others have seen, what they have seen of my proof or lack thereof. But I also watch the audience go by in dark excitement, waiting to be caught. Perhaps some self-doubt is useful, I don't want to be overly assured of myself about my achievements and anyway some degree of imposterness is a reasonable feeling. But it's the unnecessary and impossible feeling of needing to be perfect all the time. When feelings of doubt become so strong that it morphs from a mere inkling of fraudulence to an all-out impostor syndrome where I truly believe that my authentic self is a failure. It is often women and those from minority communities who work in successful corporate positions who are most likely to feel imposter syndrome. Their feelings of inadequacy are felt harder because they feel they are representing not just themselves, but whole groups of people. Imposter syndrome is not logical. In a way it assumes a fixed mindset, that we are born with a fixed ability that remains the same for the duration of our lives, or a fixed sense of sexuality, or a fixed idea of racial identity. It is absurd and crazy to assume that we will not change and evolve over the duration of our lives, that we do not learn more from our surroundings or that even in the course of one day, our identities shift. Lacan's theory of misrecognition suggests that any fixed claim on realness, or authentic, especially when tied to identity, has its finger on psychosis. Perhaps we all feel like fakes, because it is the world around us that is the artifice, and we are just a mirror onto this madness. I see that Ricky posts a comment on our disappearing present from Ships in the Night. They quote Maggie Nelson, who quotes Pima Chodron.
1: Perhaps the word radical needs rethinking, but what could we angle ourselves toward instead? Or in addition, openness? Is that good enough? Strong enough? You're the only one who knows the you you're using things to protect yourself and keep your ego together. And when you're opening and letting things fall apart, letting the world come as it is, working with it rather than struggling against it, you're the only one who knows. And the thing is, even you don't always know.
0: Ricky then adds after this quote, within a quote,
1: I kind of think the anonymous, shape shifty capacity of this platform simultaneously refutes and confirms this sense of things.
0: I agree with Ricky. I love that Ricky has quoted Maggie Nelson on my webpage. Maggie Nelson, who is at the top of my many gendered mothers of my heart list. I love and adore Maggie Nelson for all she has given me in emotions and thoughts and ideas and words. Throughout the Argonauts, Nelson grapples with what it means to be a writer, and the inability for language to express the human condition, in particular, the experience of love and the lives of people who experience those lives outside of heteronormative family units. But she is a writer, and writing is her medium, so she does what she knows and questions language and the slippage around naming, and in particular the use of pronouns, the he, she, them, it, they, that cannot fully encompass the profusion of lived gendered experience. Nelson warns us,
1: And one must be alert to the plethora of possible meanings words might have, the multitude of possible uses, possible contexts, the wings for which each word can fly.
0: Of course, just as I am a many-gendered child of Nelson, Nelson was the many-gendered child of others, of Lacan, of Foucault, of those who believed that the self was fluid, those that believed that even believing in the self was pure artifice. You, the fraud Complex, make me think of Nelson and the zones or spaces in which these multitude possible meanings of identity might occur, where the art of life might occur. And just as Nelson was the child of Foucault, so was Foucault the child of Titanus. Titanus who believed that we never stop sculpting our own portraits, our own statues. Should we recover this cultural approach to identity? Perhaps we can overcome some of the assaults that thwarted in the many ways the actions of the 20th century liberation movements. Movements of people who had broken away from the dominant culture, but who ultimately found themselves trapped inside the world of the mainstream, incapable of finding themselves as something unique and yet distinct from the mainstream. We all need to see the self as an experiment, a work that is constantly evolving, and do not fall into the trap of assuming that what you are today is the ultimate expression of your person. That the binaries of normative transgressive are unsustainable how can we demand that anyone live a life that is all one thing that is constant how can we ask that of ourselves? how can we ask that of others let's continue to craft the image of ourselves the internet has always been a place of meeting of connecting of social networks however before 2004 before facebook much of our interaction online was anonymous we assumed the identities that we wanted. We crafted them in order to enter chat rooms and engage with people who were more or less all actively crafting their personas. The anonymity of this kind of exchange allowed us to create ourselves in various ways. There were no limits or constraints. Constructing a virtual identity that is distinct from one's IRL identity. On our disappearing present, I am many things and I am called many things. I am eco bathhouse, I am bathhouse. I am KLF. I am KF. I am ships. I am ships in the night. I am SITN. I am Robert. I am George. I am Georgina. I am Lauren. I am Ian. I am Pony Express. I am Claudia. I am Claude. I am Kath. I am other names. I am many names. I am whatever I want. But mostly I am that name who has been entered from shipsinthenight.info. There are a few of us entering our disappearing present from shipsinthenight.info. Most people enter from www.disappearing.us. Deneen has entered from shipslandnight.info and says, at klklf. I assume this is to me, but as nothing else was said, how am I to know? I imagine that Roe, with two W's, is actually Ron McNaught. I know that BF is Benjamin Forster, and that S is Beth Caird. I know this because, while BF is simple, but S speaks with a familiarity that only a friend would adopt. We speak to each other. I enter words into the screen hoping that someone responds. I think about how my narrating of these personas and participants, and my decoding of identity here in this letter, is a violence toward the platform. But I figure that this naming will merely evoke another switch in guise. and in any respect, the platform allows for a kind of anonymous take-up of a moniker. Perhaps BF isn't always Benjamin Forster. Perhaps Benjamin Forster is many people. I agree with Seventy-Three, who says...
1: I notice that lots of people make the comment that it's freeing or liberating or refreshing to be anonymous. Like we are all carrying around this slight internalised dread that you can't be this anon. It annoys me when others claim we exist in a post-anonymous time, as if privacy has been totally eliminated. It is simply not true.
0: Like Ricky, 73's comment strikes a chord with me. Under the name BF I type
1: our disappointing present.
0: Phoebe enters our disappearing present and says
1: Everyone is on the same page. It's so nice.
0: But we're totally not. We're actually on many different pages, literally and figuratively. Just like this disappearing present, the space between us has been erased and we are all here together in this space, non-space, in this sight, non-sight. The outward detail of this letter may or may not be correct. Part of the described may or may not have changed. My voice, this voice, may or may not be authentic. I'm so unsure of myself as I am unsure of you. I can't stop thinking about you and the slipperiness of you. How you inhabit and yet not inhabit, exude and excrete and yet repel this feeling of fraudulence. You're a fake. You bamboozle me, you trick me. I'm drawn to you, I hate you, I love you. I pour at you with these words, I pour at your attention, yours always, Ecosexual Bathhouse.
1: This fictional letter is part of the Ships in the Night project and has been written in response to The Fraud Complex, a group exhibition curated by Johnson & Thwaites at West Space from the 6th of May until the 4th of June as part of Next Wave Festival 2016. It is written, edited, and produced by Kelly Fleetner and spoken by Aidan Madden. Ships in the Night has been developed for the Next Wave Festival 2016 and assisted by the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body, and the Margaret Lawrence Bequest. Ships in the Night is part of an ongoing project called On the Beach, a podcast that, among many other things, is interested in the intersection of contemporary art practice and fiction. On the Beach is supported by the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria. The Ships in the Night website has been designed and developed by Rowan McNaught and this music has been produced by Ron Koo.